safety is. And what they're going to see is they're going to see nothing but goodness. And they're going to literally tremble in, in front of that goodness. And, and my heart, my heart the past few weeks is like, you know, I just want to know you. I want to know you as, as Jesus knew you. I just want to know you like he knew you. Jesus didn't struggle. Jesus didn't run up against issues and wonder and worry and, and doubt and fret. Because you know why? He knew his dad. Jesus knew who he was and he knew who his dad was. And he knew that he could do all things because his dad could do all things. And he knew that he was just like his dad. Jesus never once prayed a prayer uh, of, of uh, praying into victory. He never prayed a prayer for breakthrough in his life. Because he lived in victory. He lived from a place of of, of just everything was just broken through. The heavens were opened and the angels would come and ascend, descend upon the Son of God. He lived from that place. I want to know my dad like that. And I've been listening to this podcast called Rethinking God with Tacos. Jason L. Clark, he's actually out of Huntersville, North Carolina. I started listening to this and he brings people in. And I started hearing like these new these new thoughts and these new ideas that I've never heard before, and they actually begin to challenge my theology. And you know your theology is challenged when you hear something that, that is not what you actually believe, and you immediately pull up a scripture to defend your theology. That's when you know your, your theology is being challenged. And what I've learned is, just because I have a scripture for my theology, it doesn't mean I actually understand what that scripture is even saying. You know, Jesus said, you search the scriptures for eternal life. Now, what scriptures did they have? All they had was the Old Testament. Let's go back to the days of Jesus. The only thing they had was the Old Testament. And Jesus looks at him and he says, you search the scripture for eternal life. You, you, your, your faces are planted in the, in the Bible every day looking for eternal life. And you guys don't even realize that it's talking about me. Listen, if you read the Old Testament and you're not finding Jesus, you're not accurately reading the Old Testament. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and he found the two disciples, it says he began to what? Beginning at the law of Moses and into all the prophets, he began to show them who he was through the scriptures. What scriptures did he have? The Old Testament. The Bible says that then he walked into the room where the disciples were. And he broke open their understanding that they might receive the revelation of his word. What revelation? What Bible did they have? The Old Testament. What did he give them? He broke open their understanding so that they could see only Jesus in everything that they read. If you see a vengeful and a wrathful God in the Old Covenant, you're not reading it accurately. You're reading it for what it says and not for what it actually is meaning. It's a new thought. So I've been, been listening to these thoughts and the Lord's just been like showing me sonship. And in this place of sonship, I've just begun to dream. I, I, I live for a servant. I live from a place of servanthood. Because, you know, guys, a servant, a servant doesn't see themselves as worthy to receive. What is your job as a servant? You do what I say. Period. I might throw you some scraps from the table every now and then, but other than that, you're just going to do what I say to do. That's the servant mentality. 
I've lived from that place for way too long. Well, what do you want to do in your life? Well, whatever the Lord says. That's not a son and father relationship. You know what a son and father relationship is? What do you want to do with your life? I don't know. I want to own businesses. And the Lord's like, that's a good idea. I want to like, I want to just, I want to be able to just bless people. And, and I want to, I want to, I want to do this. And, and I, I love to go, go to these places and just spend time and connect. And the Lord's like, that's a really good idea. You should do that. Oh, because he's my dad. And all of a sudden I begin to, to realize that in a place of sonship, you actually can express desires to your father and your father will be like, that's a really good idea. You should go do that. Because that's what sonship does. Sonship frees you up. Sonship makes you realize you're actually worthy to receive. Servants are not. You cannot live with a servant mindset and feel like you're worthy for goodness. But sonship, sonship moves you into a place where you're worthy. You are worthy of the blood of Jesus. And so he's really taking me into this place of just sonship. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, no longer, you don't have to ask me anymore. But from now on, ask the Father in my name and, and he'll do it. That in my name is not a tag to an end of a prayer. It's what we've always learned. We just pray that you would do this and that you would just bless this. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And then we feel like, well, God's going to do it because I tagged in Jesus' name to the end of it. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, moving forward, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to actually put you and make you a son in the Father. And when you pray from that place of sonship, the Father will actually do what you've asked for because you've prayed from a place of authority. It's not about tagging Jesus at the end of your prayer. It's about knowing who you are in Jesus and praying from that place of identity. So the Lord has really been just, 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 just blowing me away, man. Seeing, seeing, because realizing when I see the Father, I like, I learn what the Father looks like by reading the life of Jesus. And He's always been that way. In the beginning was the Word. You know that's not meaning the Bible. Listen, the, the church on Pentecost, they didn't even have a New Testament, and yet they were walking around and their shadows were healing people. And they didn't have a scripture. That, that had to prove why they actually were making that was actually happening. See, we've, we've exalted the Bible above the Word. And we defend our theology with a Bible instead of knowing that Jesus is your perfect way of thinking. So he's, he's, he's just showing me who he really is. And I'm seeing myself as a son. And what's happening is this, these desires are being just birthed in me. Where, so the testimony, we, we were sitting yesterday, we went to a, uh, we went to a coffee shop. Because it's fun, y'all guys know my story. I've struggled with coffee for so long and I don't even have a desire really for coffee anymore. But my heart, my desire, I love, y'all guys need to know something about me. I love to travel and I love to find, uh, indie, independent coffee shops. And we just love, I just, I love it. It's like this just, I love it. I just love to go into an independent coffee shop to bless the owners and to sit there and enjoy a cup of, of breve and just talk about whatever we can talk about and get to know the people. I love it. And what I've come to realize is dad loves it, too. And when I became a son, I was no longer a slave to sin. 
So the Lord's like, you do love that, and I love that. You should go do that. And it's so fun because now I can actually drink it and not be addicted to it because I don't have a desire for coffee. I have a desire for my dad. But I've realized that my dad actually wants me to enjoy good things and life and abundance. So we're in this coffee shop yesterday, and, and the Lord has been stirring up this. Pastor, you gave me a word 12 years ago. I can tell you, I, I was standing here. You gave me the word. I went and sat in the seat over there beside Amanda, and it just dropped down. I felt it when you spoke it. And your word was, wow, you, yeah, the Lord says you're going to own businesses. I don't know if you remember that or not. 12 years ago. And I've always just put that word up on the shelf. So the past few weeks, as the Lord has been getting to show me that I'm a son and that I'm worthy of His goodness and that I'm worthy of Him actually doing good things to me every day. See, I wake up in the morning now. What do you want me to do for you, Lord? That's not how I wake up. I wake up in the morning now and say, Dad, what do you want to do for me today? What are you going to do for me? That is literally how I wake up every morning. What are you going to do? I walk around the house. He is the best dad in the cosmos. I just just say it. So we go to we go to this coffee shop. We were going to go in the morning and just some, we decided we're going in the afternoon. And the coffee shop was supposed to be closed. But dad opened it for me. He did so much for us yesterday. It was so fun. So the coffee shop was open. So we wound up going in the afternoon. And so the Lord has begin to begin to put a, a desire. The desires that have always been there are beginning to rise up because I'm allowing the Lord to treat me as his bride. As a husband treats his wife, so does the desire of the Lord for you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The word delight actually means to allow yourself to be treated femininely. Actually to allow yourself to be treated as a husband treats his wife. You are the bride of Christ. You should be letting your husband treat you to things. And when you let Jesus... Your husband treats you like the bride that you are. Your desires and his desires become the same desires. And you'll actually have ideas that aren't his ideas. And he'll be like, that is awesome. You should go do that. I will bless you and pamper you the whole way. So I'm seeing myself as a son now. And all of a sudden, these, this business desire starts to come up. And these, these dreams start happening. And I'm so excited. And there's no pressure. And I feel the excitement of the Father because He knows that I'm now seeing myself as a son. And therefore, I won't limit Him in what He wants to do in this adventure. Because I'm worthy of whatever He wants to do in the process. Because I'm a son. And a son is worthy of gifts from his Father. So we're sitting there at this coffee shop and, and we get there about 2.30 and they're open. And it, that was just, and, and so we get in there and we start sitting down. The call, oh, the brave, the brave was amazing. It was, it was one, Katie says, she's from DC. You want to know good coffee? You should drive to DC. You don't have to anymore. You go to Rock Hill. Knowledge perks. She said, this is the best uh, latte that I've had since DC. There's a summit coffee in Davidson. But this is, now that's saying a lot. Because D.C. has amazing coffee. So the Lord opens the store, gives us the best coffee that we've had in, in a long time. And so we're just sitting there, sitting with Jesus, dreaming with God, hanging out with Dad, loving each other as husband and wife, experiencing what sons and daughters should be experiencing on a daily basis, dreaming, writing down ideas about the business, the name, and what we're going to do, and how we're going to do it. Because the Lord has told us this adventure, this business is for others. The next one will be for you. 
This is exciting because like we're we're dreaming, man. So so for an hour, we're just sitting there and it's just like, oh, it's just like it's like just fireworks going off in my heart. Why? Because I'm worthy for the God. I'm worthy for him to do this. I'm a son. And it is his good pleasure to give me whatever I desire. You know that if you ask anything, comma, according to his will, he hears us. See, sons will never ask anything outside of their father's will. Why? Because the two have become one. So anything that comes out of my mouth in prayer is always going to be what he wants to. Do you think Jesus ever prayed a prayer that was outside of his father's will? You know why? Because he knew his father and his father knew him. I am the father in one. If I open my mouth and say things, it's the same thing that he would say if he was opening his mouth and saying things. So when I pray, whatsoever things I desire when I pray, I actually believe that I've already received them and he gives them to me. Why? Because I'm praying from a, I'm praying from a place of sonship. And God's like, yes, I will do that. He loves to see us walk in who he's made us to be. And he's made us to be sons and daughters. And when you, play, you pray from a place of in Christ, a son or a daughter, he will do what you've asked of him. And your joy will be full. So we're sitting there and we write all these things down and we've got all these ideas and man, it's just like going off. And then you get up, I think you go to the bathroom. I guess she's coming back. And all of a sudden I hear five, four, three. And I'm like, they've got this little room over here where some people are. And these kids are all screaming. I love it because you have to become like a child in order to enter into the kingdom. So I hear, all I hear is kids just screaming. Three, two, one. And we look up on the TV and the rocket. Flies up into the air. And I hear the father say, we have blast off. What did we do yesterday? We wrote down our dreams and our visions. And when we finished writing them down. Because why? When you write down your dream and your vision. It's like when a rocket takes off. And it's on the way. Listen, I'll finish with this. I'm sorry. I just wanted to finish with this. Listen, visions, dreams, desires, write them down. They are your launching pad. But first you have to know your son. Listen, before you know him as anything. Before you know him as Lord, before you know him as God, before you know him as any other name, you must first know him as dad. Because everything comes from that place of sonship. Every single thing comes from sonship. Jesus, God was in Jesus making you a son on the cross. It's creative expression. God's going to bring all this stuff to pass. And we're going to work with him. We're going to co-labor with him. And just the fact that like God is like, I didn't need him to do that. But he opens up the coffee shop. He puts it in a place of town she's always wanted to visit. He gives us the best coffee that we've had in years and then we write visions down and the rocket launches. And the Lord's like, is that what you guys want to do? And we're like, this is our desire. He's like, I'll bless that. And you know why I said that? Because we realize that we're worthy of the blessing. Because we're sons and daughters. So, Pastor, can I pray really quick? Yes, go ahead. So, um... Some of you probably hear BJ talk and you're like, wow, I wish I could see God like that. Or I wish I could recognize when God is moving in my life like that. But God, um, when Jesus breathed on the disciples, right, they received the Holy Spirit within them to 
to understand. And then they're in the upper room for, what, 10 days? And they're talking with it, with each other, like freaking out because they're like, holy cow, it's been there all along. We, we didn't see the connections, but now everything's connecting here because I received something here. And so um, just with Pentecost, it's so cool because um, we get the opportunity to celebrate again that Holy Spirit is on us. And because he's in us, there's this understanding that comes that we can then function from that understanding. So I just bless all of you, and I bless myself. I bless all of us to hear the word of the Lord, whether it's through pastor, whether it's through circumstances around us, to hear the word of the Lord to launch us into the things that are the dreams of his heart and therefore are the dreams of our heart. So... Man, what a word. Amen. I, th- I knew you'd get be blessed by that. And it really ties right into what I'm going to be ministering on today. So you can go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 2. And uh, thank you guys for sharing that. That's wonderful. Today is Pentecost. And today is uh, is the day we celebrate Pentecost. Uh, Katie said earlier that the uh, the Feast of Pentecost actually ended last night. It was from Thursday to Saturday. And, uh, and you know, in Pentecost being... Uh, Pentecost just means 50. I mean, it's the penta. Is, it means 50. And what Pentecost is, is the Bible tells us, is 50 days after Passover is seven Sabbaths. And then Pentecost is actually the next day. So seven Sabbaths being on seven Saturdays from Passover and then the next day being Sunday, we celebrate Pentecost today. Now, real quick, I, I want to just remind you of the seven feasts of the Lord and uh, and just real briefly now, I'm not. Even, I'm just going to barely touch on them. Uh, if you were here during the end times conference, Joseph Morris last weekend talked a little bit about these and how Jesus has already fulfilled the first three uh, fully, and then and then the other ones are yet to come. Uh, it'll be coming in the rapture, and then in the the you know and the rest of the the end times the way when that all that unfolds. But the but you know in the scriptures in the Old Testament, and I love you know and BJ was sharing about that that. You know, if you if sometimes I hear people say that they don't understand the old te- the Old Testament and that they really I've even heard people say that they don't even read the Old Testament because you know they don't like the the God they see in the Old Testament and things. But you have to realize, and is what he was saying too, you have to realize that you have to read the Old Testament through the eyes of Jesus. You know, you have to bring Jesus into the equation because it's not that God changed; it's just that it's just that we did we didn't see it. Like, like we should be seeing it if you're just reading it, like in a book. You know, and if you're not seeing it through Jesus, and if you're not, and like he said, if you're not seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, then you're, you're not seeing it right. You know, I mean, you're just, you're just reading it and you're not comprehending it. <clears throat> but, but anyway, so in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, uh, God instituted feasts, and he did it for very specific reasons, and there were seven feasts that God instituted and that he told them to keep. There was actually three of the feasts that he told them that they were to travel back to Jerusalem every year to to observe. And there were so three of them every single year they had to make the journey to Jerusalem to observe those feasts. 
But but the seven feasts they they had every single year, and they still do. They still celebrate those feasts. The the uh, the Jewish people still celebrate those feasts. The first one being Passover, of course, and we know what Passover is because it's the probably one of the most uh, known stories in the Old Testament about when God delivered them out of Egypt, and and he he told them to take the lamb. And they, they would take the lamb and, and they were to, to have a perfect lamb and they would, t- they were to take it that night and, and, you know, and, and sacrifice it, offer it as a sacrifice and then put the blood on the doorpost and because the death angel was going to pass through that night. And when the death angel, when the death angel saw the blood, he would pass over their house. Now, man, there's, I mean, you could go into all kinds of teachings on that because, because it doesn't matter what's in the house. What matters is the blood's applied. Yeah. I mean, man, that's, that's enough to, I mean, that's enough to go home with right there if you, if you understood that. Because you see, it's not a matter of how good you are or what you've done or how bad you've been. When the blood is applied, all of that gets erased. And when Jesus and when God sees the blood, just like in the original Passover, when when the death angel saw the blood, he passed over that house. Now the interesting thing, a lot of times we 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 just equate that to the to the Israelite people, but you have to understand this. Even if one of the Egyptians had done that and had applied the blood to the doorpost, it would have worked for them. Is he's not a respecter of persons? Come on, I mean. Now he told the he told the Israelites to do that, and it was their their thing. But but listen, I'm telling you, the blood will work. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's a I don't want to get caught up on that because I'm trying to get somewhere. But the second one, the second feast, that was the feast of the the feast of Passover, and they still they still do that today. And, and we know this when um, when the children of Israel was brought out of Egypt. That uh, on the original Passover, when Moses came out to the, when Moses came out to the, uh, you know, when when he came out and and brought the children of Israel out, the the law, the Torah was given on that original Passover. And it's interesting that that you'll see when when God gave the original law, the Bible says He came down, He came down the mountain, and and He. Uh, and you know, and, and the people had waited on him for all that time, and they didn't think he was coming back. So they, you know, they talked Joshua into forming them a uh, god, and they started worshiping a foreign god. And and long story short, basically, at the end of that, when Moses God told God told Moses get down there and take care of them people because I'm going to kill them all, you know. And long story short, Moses come down and, and rebuked them and busted the calf up, melted it down in the in the fire, put it in water, and made them drink it. You know, I mean, and and uh, and then he said, he said, if you're with God, come with me, and if you're not, then you know, don't. And 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 that day, uh, he sent he sent those people out, and three thousand people lost their life that day. That was the original. That was the original Passover day when the Torah was given, when the law was given. Three thousand people died that day because of their disobedience. Hang on to that thought because when we when I come full circle, you'll see. What happens here? And actually, that was that. Actually, the Passover happened. I said that wrong. The Passover that was the original Pentecost. That that was that was fifty days after they left Egypt. I, I had said that wrong. That wasn't the the law was given on the original Pentecost, not on Passover. I, excuse me, I, I misquoted that. So the Passover was when when they put the blood on the doorpost and exited out of 
out of Egypt. The second one was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this was a seven-day feast that started with Passover, but it lasted seven days. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was the first feast that he said that you will return to, to Jerusalem every year to honor this feast. And, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and there's, there's so much teaching in this. Last year, we, on Wednesday nights, we went through all seven of these feasts. If you were here with us on Wednesday nights, and they're on the website, you can go out there and look at that. And, and we did a detailed teaching on all of these. But the Feast of Unleavened Bread, basically, they went through and cleaned the house out of all the leaven. And, I mean, there's a whole process they went through and everything. But, but it lasted for seven days. And then, after that, you had the Feast of first fruits, which was when they would bring a sheaf of the, the, first, the spring offering, the, springs, the, the spring harvest, they would bring a, one sheaf of, of, the, of the harvest, and it represented the entire harvest. And that's important because when Jesus was raised from the, from the grave, it says that He became our first fruit. Yeah. His, his, when, when, when He was presented, it represented all of us. Amen. And that's, that's a whole other teaching too. Like I said, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm breezing through these, okay? And then the fourth one kind of is unique because it stands by itself. The first three happened within a month. The second three happened within a month, within the same month. The, third, the fourth feast kind of is out there by itself. And it is the feast, what they call the Feast of Weeks, or what we call Pentecost. And what it is, was it was a feast that, that God instituted that said that Four or seven Sabbaths after the Passover, you'll, you, will, you will have the Feast of Pentecost. And seven Sabbaths, of course, is seven weeks of seven. That's 49. And then the next day will be Pentecost. That's 50. On the 50th day, you'll celebrate this thing called Pentecost. So, so, and, and we're going to come back and talk about, talk about that one. Then in the fall, you have the three, the three final feasts. And the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Pentecost, was the second one. He said every Pentecost... Come back to Jerusalem to, to celebrate in Jerusalem. So the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, that was two of the three that he said to come back to, um, you know, to, to celebrate in Jerusalem. The fifth one in the fall would be the Feast of Trumpets. And, and it, was a, it was a day when um, other things, I mean, there was trumpet blasts and there were all kinds of things that happened on this day. And it was a day to celebrate. It was a day to declare, to get ready. Because really the next thing that would happen would be the, would be the sixth feast. And that would be the Day of Atonement, which was the most holy day of the year for them. And so you have the Feast of Trumpets. It lasted for like seven days, and then the Day of Atonement would happen. The Day of Atonement, is you probably heard that term, because that was the only day that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices. And it, was, and it still is today, Yom Kippur, it still is the most holy day on the Jewish calendar. And because it was the only day that they could go, the high priest could go in. And then after Yom Kippur, you have the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, and it's a day when, when they celebrate. It's a, these, the, most of these feasts are celebratory, and they celebrate. And the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, is the third feast that he said every year you'll come to Jerusalem to celebrate. Now, and like I said, that's probably, I didn't do that justice at all, but, but, but I'm just, I wanted to show you all seven of the feasts. And now we're going to come back up and talk about Pentecost because it was the, it was the feast that we celebrate today. It's the day that we celebrate today, I should say. And so, so here in Acts chapter 2, we know the story in Acts chapter 1, of course, um, is kind of rehearsed about through the end of the, the Gospels where Jesus is, uh, 
is crucified and he's, you know, and he's raised from the dead. He gives his disciples instructions. He tells them to go to, uh, to go to Jerusalem, wait until they be endued with power from on high. And then he said, then you will be my witnesses. And so, so the, the disciples obey him. They go, they, they, they're in this upper room. The door's locked. The, you know, cause they're, they're really, put yourself in, put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a moment. Because here they followed Jesus, here this, this group of disciples followed Jesus, his twelve, especially his twelve apostles, or eleven by now, and they added Matthias back, but, but, uh, to that, but, but the eleven, the eleven apostles had, had been with him that whole time, had seen him do all these miracles, had went out and done miracles themselves, but now all of a sudden Jesus dies. You know, he dies, and, and they're, they're like, you know, their mindset was that he was gonna come set up an earthly kingdom. And they they were thinking he was going to overthrow the the government and that they were going to be ruling and reigning right then, you know. And so they're in the upper room praying, and, and Jesus now Jesus after he was resurrected, you remember it says that he showed himself to them, and for forty days he he walked with them after his resurrection. So for forty days Jesus walked with them in his glorified body eating and fellowshipping with them, declaring to them the gospel, unveiling to them the gospel, and showing them what they had missed and bringing understanding to their heart. So, so Jesus had walked with them for 40 days, and then He, he was taken back up into heaven, and, for, and He told them, He said, now go, and He said, wait until you be endued with power from on high. So they go to the upper room. They're locked in the upper room. The Bible says there's 120 of them. Now that's interesting because before that, when Jesus appeared to, to the, His followers, the Bible says there were 480 of them He appeared to. Now, just think about that for a moment. There were 480 that He appeared to. Only 120 stuck with Him for the 40 days. The glorified Jesus... Sharing with them pure truth, pure life, pure everything. And 360 people said, no, nah, that's not for me. I don't think it's worth my time. i got things to do. I'm too busy. I mean, you know, and, and sometimes we're shocked that people don't come to church or people won't get involved in things. But Jesus had the same problem that we did. People just, too much going on. I, you know, that's not for me. So 120 of the ones that he had showed himself to during that 40 day, during that 40 day period, 120 are in the upper room and it says they're in unity. They're in one accord. They're, they're together praying and ask, and just waiting for this power that Jesus said would come upon them. Now, as, as Katie had already said, Jesus had already breathed on his disciples. They, I, I believe they were born again at this time. I believe they had already received Jesus in their heart, and now they were just following His orders and, and trying to figure out what this meant. We're going to be endued with power. What does that mean? Power from on high. What, you know, Jesus, remember He said, and they, they were probably bringing all this back. Jesus said that He would send another one just like Himself, and, and, and you know, that, that, you know what, what, what could that mean? And He's going to live in us and not, you know, that, and they were going back and forth, but, but they were in prayer and they were in unity. And then it says, then we pick up here in chapter 2, and I want to say a few more things about that in just a second, but here in chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now what that means was that the feast was already over, the seven, the seven Sabbaths had taken place, 
And remember, the, in the, the instructions, we could, we could read that to you from, uh, from the Old Testament, but you can just take my word for it for right now. But it says that seven, that Pentecost would be seven Sabbaths, and the next day you would celebrate Pentecost. So when Pentecost had fully come, the Sabbath had fully come, and now it was the next day. They were waiting in the upper room, and it said, and so it says the day of Pentecost had fully come. It says they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let's, let's talk about this just for a moment because... If, you know, we understand this because we have the, we have the full Bible now and, and we, we have this understanding of what salvation is. At salvation, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. Now, I'll say this. I don't think that we got a full understanding of what happens at salvation. I want you to think about this. The Bible tells us that Jesus was the perfect image of his father. He he said, you know, they, the people his disciples even asked him, "Jesus, show us the father." And what did Jesus tell them? Well, go read the Bible, go read the Torah, go go study for 32 years and then you'll be able to see him. That's not what he said. When they said, "Show us the father," what did he say? "You've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the father." In other words, what Jesus was saying was this. I am the perfect representation of my dad. You know, if you look at me, you see the Father. If you see the Father, you see me. Because we're the same. Now, that was a huge statement. Because you think of what He just told them. He just told them the God that delivered Moses and the children of Israel out of Egypt and split the Red Sea... The God that was with Elijah, the God that was with Abraham, the God that was with, with, with all of the patriarchs of the Old Testament. He told them, he said, he said, he and I, we're one. We're the same. He stand, the God that did all of that, he's standing right here before you today. Wow. That's powerful. But you know what's even more powerful? Jesus, when he went on to tell his disciples in like John 14, 15 and 16, he went on to tell his disciples when he said, he said, he said, I'm going to go to the father. He said, I'm getting ready to leave and I'm going to go to the father. And when I go to the father, he said, it's so much better for you that if I, you know, if I go, than if I stayed here with you. Because he said this, he said, the reason it is, is because this, he said, because when I go to the father, I'm going to send another comforter. And, and you guys, I've taught this many times, you know this. That word another, there's two different words for that word another. One could mean one, you know, one could mean like, like I, I could say this. I drove, I drove my van this morning. I've got another car at home. My other car at home is a truck. It's nothing like my van, but yet it's another car. Okay? So that's one word for another. In other words, you could say another meaning you know, just another vehicle. It may not look anything like it. It may not be anything like it. It's just another vehicle. But the other word for another would be this. I've got, 
I, I could ask Stephen, you know, I've got this chair here, and I could ask, I could ask Stephen or Alan or whatever, could you bring me another chair just like this one? And they could go back there and get one of those chairs and bring it up here, and it, it's identical to this chair. If you set them side by side, you would see no difference. They were made the same. They were, they're identical, same material, same, same function. I mean, everything is identical to it. That is the word when Jesus said, when I go to the Father, He's going to send another comforter. What Jesus said is this. Just like I and the Father are one, He said, when I go to the Father, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and He's just like us. He is identical to us. When you see the Holy Spirit, you see Jesus. You see the Father. When you see the Father, you see Jesus, you see the Holy Spirit. When you see Jesus, you see the Holy Spirit, you see the Father. They're three in one, one in three, they're identical, they're the same. Guys, listen. <laughs> At salvation, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when you entered into a relationship with Jesus, the very God of the universe in the person of the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you. He's no different than Jesus when we read Him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's no difference in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. Whew. Jesus said, I will send another comforter, one that is identical to me. I will send Him, and He will not only be with you, but now He will live in you. Now, at salvation, we know this. I'm, I'm, I'm really shortening this up a lot. At salvation, we know this. When, when the Holy Spirit moves in and when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, the fruit of the Spirit is planted on the inside of us. Okay? There's, there's two different things we talk about. In Ephesians 5, you read about the fruit of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, you read about the gifts of the Spirit. They're two totally different things, okay? The fruit of the Spirit, Katie had mentioned this a little bit earlier, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you is for you. When you get born again, He comes in and re, re, creates a brand new Spirit on the inside of you, and everything about you just changed, spiritually speaking. And the fruit of the Spirit gets planted on the inside of you, and the fruit is... To be the fruit is to be displayed by you, and it benefits you. In other words, the fruit of the spirit. We know this. Turn over to Galatians real quick. Let's just let's just look at it. I was going to just quote it, but we'll just take the time and look at it real quick. Galatians chapter five, and I'm going somewhere with this, just real quick here. Galatians five verse twenty two, verse twenty two. He says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit is what you and I should be walking in. His re my relationship with my Father and Him living on the inside of me should produce every one of these fruit in my life. It shouldn't produce just one or two and the others, oh, I'll leave that for somebody else. I'll leave the self-control thing for somebody else. I'll, do, I'll just do what I want to do. No. If you have a true relationship with the Father, you know, you're, these fruits are going to be 
this fruit of the Spirit is not going to be just a bunch here and a bunch there. And, and this, No, they're going to be one bunch of fruit in your life. You should be exhibiting all nine of these fruit in your life. Listen to that. Let me, let me see how to say it. I've got to make sure I say this right. You know, you, look, you turn on your TV this last week. And let me, ask you, let me just ask you a question. If you turn on your TV at night this last week and you see all these protests going on, you see all this, all this stupidity going on and all this stuff going on with this rioting and stuff. I'm not saying the protests. I mean, because, you know, sometimes you have to stand up for, for, for the right thing. Protest is fine. I mean, that's, that's one issue. The rioting is something totally different. You know, when you cross the line and you start breaking the law, then that's, that's, not, that's no longer a protest. But if you turn on the TV and you watch, you watch those people, I could ask you one question. Do you see any of this fruit of the Spirit in any of that? Do you see love? Do you see joy? Do you see peace? Do you see long-suffering? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Then let me ask you, where is it from? It's not from the fruit of the Spirit, which is in us because we have a relationship with the Father. Just leave that there. So the fruit of the Spirit, if, if, you are, if you are in a situation and you are not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, then you are of the wrong spirit. You're allowing the wrong spirit to, to, be in, to control you. Amen. Well, I could hang out there, but I wanted you all to be happy today, so I'll move on. The gifts of the Spirit. Now, because see, here's what happened at Pentecost. At Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Okay? Brother Hagin always taught like this. Bill Johnson teaches this. A lot of others teach this. The Spirit within you is for yourself. The fruit of the Spirit is for you. When the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's a lot of different words you could use. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that is for others. That is for service. Okay? And it's, it's, at the, it's at the filling of the Holy Spirit or at the baptism when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit being within you and the Holy Spirit being upon you. It's two different things. Two different experiences. The Holy Spirit within you comes at salvation. The Holy Spirit upon you happens time and time and time again in your life. You need to be filled over and over and over again. Paul said it this way. He said, be being filled. Continually be filled with the Spirit. To let the Spirit come upon you. Why? So that you can serve others. Now, what are the gifts of the Spirit? In 1 Corinthians 12, I won't take the time to read that, but 1 Corinthians 12 gives us the nine gifts of the Spirit. They're broke down into three categories is the best way that, that you can teach these. The first is the gifts of revelation that reveal something. The word of wisdom, which reveals something in the future. The word of knowledge, which is past or present. And discerning the spirits. That's, that's three gifts that reveal something. Listen, if you've ever had your mail read... You know, by by a man or woman of God, you know that that speaks to you. When when someone stands up in front of you and calls something out, that there's no way that they can know that, but it's by the Spirit. Then, man, you know that that makes an impact on your life. 
The gifts, the three gifts of revelation that reveal something, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning the spirits. There's three gifts of power that do something. That's the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healing. That's the three power gifts that do something. The three gifts of utterance that say something is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Okay? So that's the nine gifts of the Spirit that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's for service. It's for others. Now, let's look at what happened just real quick. And man, we could, I mean, you could teach on all that for many, many months. Let me ask you this question. Who was the first person in the Bible to be filled with the Spirit? Anybody know? It, it was the guy in the temple. It was the guy in Exodus 31 that when God gave Moses, when God gave Moses the plan for the temple, he told Moses, well, just turn over there, Exodus 31, real quick. Because this is important, because I want to show you the importance of being filled with the Spirit. The importance of Pentecost. We talk about, we talk about like all the stuff that's happening today. How can we, how can we make a difference in the world? Well, I want, I want to present to you this morning, just real quickly in the next five or ten minutes, I want to present to you, I want to show you three or four different scriptures this morning that show that when you get filled with the Spirit, you can make, it will make such a difference in your life that you can change your world. Glory to God. Exodus 31, and, and if you read like Exodus 27, 28, 29, and 30, that is the story of how God gave Moses specific instructions, how detailed instructions about every article, every utensil, every piece of furniture, everything about the tabernacle. God said, here is the way I want this to be, because it was a picture of what was in heaven. And then in verse, in chapter 31, God says this to Moses. He says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Biziel, and he says, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Now, why did he fill him with the Spirit of God? This was an unsaved man. Because we know that, because, because salvation had not happened, right? Salvation didn't happen until Jesus died on the cross and rose again. But here, God says that He filled this man with the Holy Spirit. Why would He do that? Listen to what He said. He said, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works to work in gold, to work in silver and in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting and in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Why would He fill this guy with the Holy Spirit? To build His temple. He told Moses, here's the instructions, now here's the people that's going to do this. And it's going to take somebody filled with the Holy Ghost to get this accomplished. And in your life, I'm telling you, when you have a dream, it takes the Holy Ghost working in your life, working side by side, hand in hand with you. It takes the Holy Ghost to have that workmanship to be able to do what God has called every one of us to do. The filling of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out and the Spirit comes upon us, at that moment... We are, we are empowered to do what He's called us to do. You see, at the day of Pentecost, also, if you go on and read the rest of Acts chapter 2 and 3, 
That's when Peter stands up and preaches that great sermon. People say, oh, he's, they're drunk and they're this and they're that. And Peter stands up and says, no, this is, the, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he preached that great sermon. At the end of that sermon, you know what happened? 3,000 people got born again. The, the original Pentecost, when the law was given, 3,000 people died. Because the law brings death. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, 3,000 people got born again, got life brought back into them. Why? Because the Spirit brings life. Glory to God. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, Peter, who is... Now remember Peter. Now I'm just going to give these. We won't turn there and read this. But Acts chapter 2, you remember. Who was Peter? Peter was the one that was afraid of the, the little girl at the, at the crucifixion. He ran and cursed so that he wouldn't get caught. He was terrified. But yet, now, here he is standing on the day of Pentecost, bold as a lion, preaching and declaring, you are the ones that killed Jesus. What changed? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Write this down. You can see this. Acts chapter 4, verses uh, that whole story. That's where Peter and John were preaching and they got arrested. They got put into prison. They come before the Sanhedrin and, and they start questioning about, by whose authority are you doing this? Why are you doing this? This is like the, the, the most uh, prestigious people that you could have in that day. Peter and John says, listen, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing this, but they're like, we're not, you know, we're not worried about answering you because the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, is the one that empowered us. And, and the, but the Bible says this, in like verse 8 and then in verse 13 it says it says that they in verse 8 it says that they were filled with the spirit and started to speak. Verse 13 says this, verse 13 goes on to say it says when it says when the when the leaders had determined or had perceived that they had been with Jesus. Listen, being with Jesus changes you. Being filled with the Spirit changes you. It will put words in your mouth. It will put boldness in your backbone. It will bring, it will bring knowledge to your head. It will change you. Acts chapter 7 is the story of Stephen. What a great name. Stephen. Amen. Stephen, I get amen. I mean, all right. All right. Uh, but Stephen, the story of Stephen. Who is Stephen? Stephen wasn't one of the apostles. The Bible says he was a deacon. He was just a servant. He served tables. But when the Spirit of God came upon Stephen, it said he did great miracles. And it, and it got to the place where he stood and he preached this sermon. He was just an everyday person sitting in these seats, look, watching the apostles, watching them work, saying, wow, look at that. But it didn't stop him. He said, wow, look at that. I want some of that. And the Holy Spirit came on Stephen and great boldness came on him. And I love that story. You can read that whole story. It's a long chapter, but you read that whole story of Stephen. And the Bible says at the end of that, it says that the Spirit of God came upon Stephen and with great boldness, he stood before them. And and it says when they started stoning Stephen, that Jesus stood up off of his throne. And he looked. I'm telling you what. Holy Ghost power will get Jesus to stand up and applaud you. Could you imagine that? When, when, he, when Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw the heavens open up as they're stoning him, as they're killing him, they're throwing stones and hitting him in the head and hitting, him, hitting his body and, and just killing him. It says he looked up into heaven and he saw heaven open and he saw Jesus standing 
at the right hand of the Father. Guys, listen. The filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost will change your life. Now, that's four stories. I could go on and on. The, the, the whole book of Acts is full of them. And we could talk about a lot of different things, but I just, I just want to encourage you this morning. We ask, we ask ourselves, how can we make a difference in the world today? How can, you know, with, with all the craziness going on, how, what can I do? I'm only one person. You know, I'm only one family. We're only one family. What difference can we make? I want to tell you this. A man or a woman, and especially a family filled with the Holy Ghost, can change a community, can change a church, can change a nation, can change a state, and it can change the world. So do not think that just because you're one person or one family or, or just a husband and wife or, or just one person, whatever the case may be, don't think that God can't use you because He can. And, and, but it will take you receiving the baptism of the Spirit. It will take you allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what did Jesus Himself say? He, he said, He said, go wait in Jerusalem, Acts 1-8. Go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. I love the story of Gideon in the Old Testament because that story of Gideon where it says, it, it says something like that that the Spirit was with Gideon, that the terminology in that, the, the picture in that is actually that the Spirit put Gideon on like a set of clothes. Did you see that? The Holy Spirit got, the Holy Spirit got up one morning and said, who am I going to wear today? Yeah, I think, I think I'll wear Gideon. And he put Gideon on and boy, made a, changed the whole nation. Listen, allow the Holy, allow the Holy Spirit to put you on this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and just watch what He can do through you. He's not looking for the most talented. He's not looking for the, the one with the most money or the best background or, or any of that. What He's looking for is somebody who's willing to say, Lord, fill me. Lord, come upon me this morning. Father, I receive everything You have for me this morning. Now listen, I wish I could lay hands on every one of you, and I would do it in a heartbeat, but I know with, with, with everything that, that's going on right now, some of you may not want people laying hands on you. But, but the great thing is this, it's not about laying on of hands anyway, it's about your heart receiving what the Spirit of God is doing. And this morning, I just let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's stand to our feet. And this morning, here's what I want to do. If you're at home with us, please stand up with us and, and just receive this Receive this this morning. Because whether you're here in this building, whether you're watching on, on Facebook around the world, it doesn't matter where you are. The Spirit of God is everywhere. And this morning, I want to just... If, if, if you say, Pastor, I want that. I, I want the Spirit of God. I want Him to come upon me. And listen, and one of the, one of the greatest evidences of... Of being spirit filled and having a, the first requirement, let me just say this, I'll back up. The first requirement is to be born again. Is to have a relationship. Jesus told, Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, unless a man be born again, he, he will not enter into the kingdom. So you must be born of the Spirit. You must make Him your Savior, your Lord. You must invite Him into your life to say, God, I, I surrender to you. I give you everything. But once you're born, once you're born again and you have that relationship with Him, you have the privilege. It's not a requirement. It's not, it's, it's not determined whether you're going to go to heaven or not. If you, if you don't receive the, the filling of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's not it at all. But what it does do, it, it allows you to receive power to be a servant. 
You might say, well, I'm serving God anyway. Well, that's great. Serve Him in a greater level. Serve Him to a, to a higher... Be, learn to be led by the Spirit. Learn, learn what it means to, be, to flow with the Spirit and to be, to be filled with the Spirit and to, to be led by the Spirit. And it's this simple. It's just as simple as raising your hands and saying, Lord, I, I'm a believer, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and I ask You this morning to fill me, Lord. I ask You this morning to come upon me so, so that I can serve You to a greater level, so that I can be led by You, and so that I can be con- controlled and just... And, and you can put me on and use me however you see fit. And if you say that with a, with a pure heart and a heart that means that, the Bible says that, that, you know, as a father, if my son, if Joshua or Noah asked me for, for a piece of bread, I wouldn't give them a, something poisonous. And he said the same way, if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, if you ask your father for, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that's what you're going to get. You're not going to get a strange spirit, some odd spirit or something like that. No, you're going to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit just simply by asking. So this morning, will you just do this? If you're, if you're interested in it, like I said, if you're not, then that's fine. I mean, you know, you, I mean, that, that's between you and the Lord. But, but this is something that, that is a privilege for every one of His believers. Every one of His sons and daughters can have the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be endued with power from on high this morning. Because He told His disciples, He said, wait until you be endued with power, then go be My witness. So once you're filled, once you're empowered, once, once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you can go out in power from this place and make an impact on your life and on, on the life of those around you. So this morning, Father... Father, my prayer is, is, Father, as these people in this place this morning, watching on, watching on Facebook or uh, on video or listening to the CD, however they're hearing this, Father, as they're crying out to You, as they're asking to be filled this morning, asking for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, Lord, I thank You that You're going to pour Your Spirit out. The prophecy of Joel from the Old Testament, in that day that You'll pour Your Spirit out on Your sons and Your daughters. They'll prophesy and dream dreams and have visions. Father, my prayer this morning is, Holy Spirit, show Yourself strong on behalf of each one of these people. Come and fill each one of these people standing in this place today with their hands outstretched in a a posture of receiving. Lord, we receive a fresh fill of the Holy Spirit this morning. And Father, we thank You for empowering us. Thank You for strengthening us. Thank You, Father, for, for encouraging us. Father, to, to do, to go out and to serve You in this day and hour. So Holy Spirit, fall on these people right now, afresh and anew. Like Paul said, to be being filled continually. Lord, may this just be a fresh a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in each one of your people's lives this morning. Come on, just in your own words right now. Just out, of, just you know, it's important that you say that. That you just you say, Lord, I receive you this morning. I receive, I receive the fresh fill of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want Your power. I need Your power. I need Your strength. I need Your wisdom. I need all there is, Father, that You that You give out this morning. Empower me to serve this morning, Lord. Empower us to be Your sons and daughters that go out and, and make a difference in this world. 
So that everyone that we encounter will see Jesus. Father, I pray for healing in every person that needs healing this morning. Father, I pray for peace of mind for those that are tormented by evil thoughts. Father, I pray, I pray for financial breakthroughs for those people that are struggling this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, one last thing. The Bible said this. The Bible said that when the Holy Spirit was poured out, that they spoke in tongues. If you've never spoken in tongues, today would be a great day to start. And the Bible just simply said this. When the Spirit came upon them, that they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And, and this morning, even as, even as you're praying, you're probably feeling an unction down in your belly, an unction down in, in your spirit, man. And all you have to do is, is release that. Whatever it is that you're hearing, whatever it is you're feeling in your spirit, just release that this morning. And as you do that, uh, don't speak in English, but just whatever it is rises up from, from the inside. Just let that come forth. And let's just take a moment. If, if you're filled with the Spirit, if you have a prayer language and you speak in tongues, let's take just a moment and let's just let's magnify Him. The Bible says that, that we magnify Him with our tongues. So let's magnify Him. And if you've never done that, just, just take just a moment and ask to be filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And then whatever it is that you sense in your spirit, just let it rise up. So let's just pray in the Spirit for a moment. Thank you for power. Thank you for strength this morning, Lord. Thank you that you are endured. Father, that we will be endued with power from on high this morning. Oh, more, Father. More, Father. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to go out and to, to be your servants in this day and hour, Father. Now, let me just say this. If, if you, if you've never spoken in tongues or maybe you had a, maybe you said one word or one syllable or something like that, you know, uh, go home and, and just keep saying it. Yeah. Go home and ask the Lord to say, Lord, I, I, I desire this. And then pray in the Spirit. You may be one word or one syllable or one phrase, but just keep doing that. And as you do that, you'll get more and more and more will come. It'll be like a flood, the floodgates will just open. And it'll just flow out of your belly. It doesn't come out of your head. It comes out of your belly. It comes out of your spirit. So, so just go home and do that. Go home and pray in the Spirit and ask the Lord. If you got questions, call me. And man, I'd love to be it. Well, I'll even talk to you this morning. I, I ain't in no hurry. So if, if you, you know, man, if you're here this morning and you say, man, I, I want to receive that, I'll tell you what, I'll be up front here. I love y'all. I want to hug you and, and shake your hands and everything. But, but if there's anybody here that, that wants to pray in the Spirit and you never have, I just invite you to come down and, and speak with us and we'll be up here to pray with you. Um, and, and we're going to go ahead and dismiss. I, I tell you, I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. I pray that this Pentecost will be a day that will forever be remembered because it's the day that God changed things in your life.